This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. It was a sweep for softball. It was getting swept for baseball. And unfortunately, the Bulls baseball team just sort of fell from in a game, in a thrilling game, to it didn't look like it was going to be their weekend, to it officially wasn't their weekend. And we'll sort of set that up for you in our second block. On this Monday show, we're going to do it like we normally do Wednesday and Friday. We're going to give you a conference show around the American for the last 10 minutes of the hour because there was a lot that went on, especially in baseball where one series had three games get completed on the same day, and it definitely impacted the top of the standings where we told you the baseball team had a good series. They'd be knocking on the door, and now they're looking at a different scenario, which we'll run down for you in that second block. And again, we'll end the hour today with Around the American. That way I can have the afternoon off with my family and plan on taking advantage of that time. Softball was tremendous. We'll get to them in just a second. We'll also tell you about track and field in our second block, another high jump title and a major event for Romain Beckford. And he wasn't alone in having a great weekend at a coveted event. But let's start off before we get to softball with four USF football players. They're going to have a chance to latch on to NFL rosters. Ten players from the conference were drafted in the three-day NFL draft. We'll tell you about that on Around the American. No Bulls got drafted, but pretty quickly, two offensive linemen got signed to what's called undrafted free agent contracts. Sometimes it's a little bit of a benefit if you're not taken in the very last round, if you can pick your team, which both Brad Cecil and Demontre Jacobs did. And then two more Bulls, including another offensive lineman, have a chance via rookie minicamps. We'll get to them in just a second. But Brad Cecil and Trey Jacobs are going to the Detroit Lions and the Denver Broncos, respectively. Again, on undrafted free agent contracts, Cecil started 50 games for the Bulls in his full career, while Trey Jacobs came on two seasons ago as a transfer from Grambling and did a great job playing tackle Cecil, a guard center sort, and of course one of the most popular and well-rounded student athletes that I can remember in my time here at USF. This is year number six for yours truly. Now, a guy that I think the Buccaneers might have seen play, and he knows a little bit about their stadium, Dwayne Boyles is one of the two that gets a rookie minicamp invite. It's tougher to make the team on these, frankly, because you really have to stand out, realizing that teams draft anywhere from as few as five to around ten players, depending on the hall. You can't just have the rookies that got drafted and the undrafted free agent signings compete to have a full sort of roster. You bring in a couple dozen more rookies for a minicamp invite, and that's the chance for Dwayne Boyles to hopefully latch on. Demetrius Harris, Meech Harris, will be looking to do the same thing, finished as the Bulls' all-time starts leader with 53 starts and another very popular character. He is going to get a minicamp look with the Seattle Seahawks. We'll be keeping an eye on all of them and wishing them the best. Also, minicamps began on Sunday for the WNBA, which means the two draftees from USF, Dulce Fankamengiadu and Elena Chinecki, got to put on their NBA uniforms, or at least their NBA practice uniforms for the first time with Dulce in Seattle and Elena in Washington. Actually, a lot of former Bulls are in camps with Kit Loxa getting a chance with the Dallas Wings. Also, Alicia Jenkins with the Washington Mystics and now Courtney Williams, a member of the Chicago Sky. Now on to the results from the fields and the tracks of play, or the tracks and the fields of play, starting with softball, where it was not only a sweep over Memphis, which the way things have been going for both the Bulls and for Memphis was not unpredictable, but to do it with three straight shutouts was pretty impressive. 
It did happen last year in conference with Georgina Corrick. If you'll recall, Ken Erickson went to having Corrick pitch all three games of a series at times. And, well, guess what? It happened against Houston late last April. So the last weekend of April seems to be a thing at the USF softball stadium for not giving up any runs. Although, it was hard to believe they did not give up a run on Sunday. We'll get there in a second. Now, we did not do a broadcast on Friday. We were supposed to do a broadcast on Friday. I was all set up, and then I realized that I left something at home, basically, that was required to get us on the air. And I had two choices, try to figure out a way to scramble and get it done, which would have meant basically inconveniencing a lot of other people and putting them to work unnecessarily on a Friday night, or just saying, you know what, we're not going to get softball on the air, go home, get the stuff that I needed, and get the baseball broadcast on the air. So that's what we did. Therefore, we don't have any highlights of the 5 nothing win, but it was over pretty quickly. In fact, it was a little surprising the Bulls did not run rule Memphis. That would happen a couple of days later. But Jordan Cadlob led off with the walk. She got bunted over by... Kathy Garcia, who had not a lot of hits this weekend, but made a lot of impacts. Megan Sheehan with an RBI single, and then later on, Marissa Tribal Piece with an RBI single for a 2-0 lead. Vivian Pond would belt to straightaway center a three-run homer, scoring both Megan Sheehan and Jordan Cadlub, who had scored ahead of her. The Bulls had their best chance in the bottom of the fifth to sort of get it towards the run rule, but hit into a double play, and so for Memphis's part, it was a good job out of the pen by their freshman pitcher, Drew Thomas, to keep the Bulls from that. Gabriella Nori went five innings and only gave up four hits, struck out four, didn't walk any. The Bulls pitchers only walked one all weekend. And Vivian Pond, two hitless innings. Her relief work has really been something else this season. Jordan Cadlib, two hits, two runs. Vivian Pond, two for three with the three-run homer. Then on to Saturday, where with the weather, you knew stuff wasn't going to get finished or figured it wouldn't get finished. They actually got the full baseball game in, which was in its own right interesting because softball stopped after about an hour. And the reason being is that the softball field simply doesn't drain as well as the baseball field. It's not even close. So they had to tarp it up and decided to push the action to Sunday, which benefited us from a broadcast perspective because they had moved the softball game Saturday up from 530 to 2 meaning we were unable to bring it to you live on the channel. Turned out we got to bring most of it to you live, except for the first two innings. The ones that got in saw the Bulls lead one nothing, And again, it was Pond coming through with an RBI single. One of the seniors that, even though it was a little wet, they were still able to have a, with the tarp in the background, senior ceremony. And that was pretty fun to watch because it just made you realize how special this group was. Pond was part of it. So was Nori, even though she's a transfer just in her first season with the Bulls, definitely honoring the senior. The Megans, Megan Sheehan and Megan Piero. Antoinette Hill, who's been out with an injury, but a very beloved member of the team pitcher. Bailey Leistel, the outfielder who got to start on her senior day. And the other member of the group, Emily Hanlon, who, of course, got a start as well. Freshman pitcher Jaden Martinez got the start in the circle, and she went back out there on Sunday morning as we hit the air on a very windy day. And the first two batters, and we're thinking, here come the runs for Memphis. Solid hits, a single and a double. So in comes Vivian Pond to make quick work of the rest of the inning. And it's lined. Oh, what a catch by Megan Piero. Keeps the game. Bulls lead. Diving to her right. Good job by their base runners of staying put. Anticipating a possible catch. But what a play for one of the many seniors that was honored yesterday afternoon. Bulls are going to be careful with Burner. 2-0 to her. And she lines it right to Vivian Pond on the ground. Easy throw over to Jordan Caleb at first base. And so Vivian Pond comes in 
to a second and third, nobody out situation, and manages to keep Memphis off the board. The Tigers have yet to score still this weekend. The third inning was really decisive. You know, we're going to, in the baseball highlight reels, explain how games that, again, it was not a good weekend for the Bulls, but could have easily gone in a different direction in the middle, end up looking like it was never a close game in the end. Well, this was definitely a possibility of Memphis taking the lead just there with one hit, and Piero makes the big catch. And then the Bulls, it's still just one nothing in the bottom of the third. Kathy Garcia, who did not get a hit in this game, but scored three times, the leadoff walk, then making Sheehan a single. Vivian Pond, you know, the big slugger, bunts him over the ultimate sacrifice, but Marissa Travelpiece strikes out. So there's two away, and a player who had three RBI all season would get three in this game comes through. Oh, Humplick gets a hold of one. That's got a chance. Deep left field, off the wall. Two runs will come home easily. Humplick will slide in head first with a two-run double. Nearly was a homer, but we'll take it. It's three to nothing. Humplick turned on that pitch. Felt like home run off the bat, especially with the win. But as I say, Humplick gets RBI four and five and nearly gets career homer number one. At that point, you felt good, but again, with the wind blowing out, you figured there'd be some runs to be had on this Sunday, and amazingly, the Memphis Tigers did not have any. It was a credit to the Bulls pitchers, including one that took me by surprise a little bit when she took the circle in the fourth inning. And how about this? Peyton Dixon returns to the circle. What a big moment here. This is something that I kind of anticipated because we saw her go from being out of uniform for the last month or so to being in uniform, and now she is pitching again. And this is a wonderful development. For all the events and all the runs, and you're going to hear three homers later on in one inning, that might have been the most significant thing that happened this weekend because Dixon was so great as the team's ace. Remember, out of the gate, she pitched the very first game, which they would go on to win in extras against Michigan. She threw the six innings, gave up one unearned run. But even though she had missed the last six weeks, Peyton Dixon was still, by a handful, the win's leader for the Bulls. And she would actually get the win in this game. She only needed to throw two innings to do it. That's because the Bulls pieced it together in walk-off style in the bottom of the fifth. Sheehan lines it to second base, and it's bobbled, and Garcia slides in. It'll be all hands safe. That's got to be an error. I think Garcia gets to second either way, but now there's first and second with nobody out. And that's line sharply to left field. I think too sharply to score a run, and the throw does go wayward, but either way, you load up the bases with that single. Smart move there, putting on the brakes by Garcia. That's how hard that ball was hit by Pond. Tomahawked it. That one is lined to right field by Marissa Travelpiece. She is going to bring two runs in. And the Bulls are up five to nothing. Just a line single for the lefty down the right field line. Travelpiece now adds to her team high RBI total with 27 and 28. RBI hits have not come as frequently, I'm sure, as Miss Humplick would have expected the sophomore from Orange, Texas, but grabbed two earlier today. Slowly grounds it to third. They're gonna have a play at the plate, and she's safe. Boy, Beavis slides in under the, and I wanna say tag, but there was really no tag efforted there. Stood up as though she thought it was a force. Well, first and third, there's no force there. So that should go down as an RBI, either single or fielder's choice. Beavis scores and it's six nothing and still nobody out. Little things that can help speed the end of the game along. 
There was just a slight hesitation there. Hanlon rips it up the middle, and Tribal Peace will be waved on around. Though it's going to be late, and it's 7-0 Bulls. Emily Hanlon with her second hit of the game. And the Bulls are one away from ending this. Pierre was taking it all the way. One pitch away from this baby being over. About an hour after it resumed. Megan Piero, not a betting man, but I'm guessing she's taking this pitch. 3-0. And it's low and outside, and that is the ball game. 8-0. After Peyton Dixon appeared in two innings and got the win, her 13th of the season, it was Nori time and time for her to pick up another shutout victory. Hard to believe with the wind blowing out that Memphis didn't score and the Bulls had the pitchers to hold them down. The Memphis pitcher, though, Hallie Sims, was doing the same thing, keeping the Bulls off balance. Kathy Garcia lined into a double play, which, if it goes up the middle, scores a run, but it stayed scoreless through three innings. But Sims could not keep the Bulls' bats off the board, and it was a power display the rest of the way. All five runs coming in via the long ball. Three in one inning. Here's how that sounded. Oh, that ball is golf. We've been talking about the wind all day. Gone! Marissa Tribal Peace lays into one. And the Bulls jump ahead. Wind, do your job. Of course, Tribal Peace has done the job all year long with the quality swings. That's her seventh home run. She's now got 30 RBI. And the Bulls have their first runs in this final game of the series. Pond to burner. And she lines it on the ground. Garcia goes to a knee, throws across and gets the out. So Vivian Pond continues to do the things. <laughs> this could be her third game where she won't get anything on her record as far as a win or a save, but she has absolutely been tremendous. Not just hitting the ball, but also pitching as well. Vivian Pond launches one. We told you she's done a lot, and she keeps doing it. A solo home run. Adds to the Bulls' lead, it's three to nothing. Viv being Viv. Three and two. Oh, Tribal Piece gets underneath it, I think a little too much going to center field. Oh, it's out of here! Man, oh man, Marissa. About three minutes after Vivian Pond ties her for the team lead in home runs, retakes it with her second of the day. Back-to-back -back solo homers, and the Bulls are on top four to nothing. Tavon. Oh, and she golfs one. She says, we said she's a candidate. Going back on it and running out of room as a left fielder, a third home run of the inning. And Tylee Vaughn gets her third of her freshman season. It's five nothing. Definitely wanted to include the pawn getting out of the sixth inning because again, it was two nothing at that time. And I'm trying to stress the point that games that look like they were never close can indeed be close. And yes, that is going to be stretched to baseball here in a second. But as far as the 5 nothing win, means that the Bulls just need to win one game in their final regular season series at Houston to wrap up the number three seed. They will just need to beat Houston once because they now have a three-game lead on them. We'll tell you how that came to be as we end the hour going around the American. Probably not going to be doing a show tomorrow. We're honestly going to shift to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday summer schedule a month early. But I would anticipate that at least Vivian Pond for sure, perhaps Marissa Tribal Peace, and or Gabby Nori, who got the two wins in the circle, all are honored 
by the American Athletic Conference and whoever does get honored. Just keep an eye for my Twitter page, at Derek Sharp will let you know. Again, probably no show on Tuesday. Both Vaughn and Tribal Peace are now above 300 hitting for the season. And what Vaughn has done has simply been amazing to get to that point. A month into the season, she was hitting below 200. Entering conference play, she was hitting 213. In fact, she only got one start in that first weekend at East Carolina, but she has become a fixture in the starting lineup hitting-wise. And again, from the beginning of conference play, 213 was her batting average. She's now hitting 301. And she had only appeared four times in the circle in pre-conference play. One time, not getting anybody out and walking two batters. And by the way, non-conference play encompassed six full weekends and some midweek. Four appearances that whole time. Well, she has appeared 11 times, and that is now in five weeks. And only once has given up more than one run. And she's grabbed a couple of wins in there and did deservedly get the save yesterday. Now on to baseball. And again, we kind of did the whole setup thing to make it clear how a team can get swept but certainly be in games. And man, were the Bulls more than that on Friday and Saturday. And then Sunday was, well, miserable to use a word from a tweeter who said incorrectly that this baseball team is miserable to watch. Well, if you had only picked Sunday to watch, then I could heartily agree with you. In my opinion, and I know if you didn't see or hear any of the games, you're going, now. you can't let this happen. But I was there, and I'm telling you, it was hard not to have there be a carryover effect. And Cincinnati deserves some of the credit because they were doing their part. Even when they were messing up, they were doing enough things right to carry off the sweep. We're definitely not going to give you all the examples of the little moments that could have made this a completely different weekend, but there were a couple of big moments that we'll spotlight for you here. And I know that, you know, ask the Boston Bruins and the Colorado Avalanche about bounces going against you. And oh yeah, the top two seeds in the NHL playoffs both get eliminated on one night. So there's a little bit more at stake in that scenario. But in the case of the Bulls, it was really close stuff, stuff that you almost take for granted that didn't happen that led to big innings for Cincinnati. And even when things were happening well for the Bulls, the Bearcats again would answer. So give them credit. We'll spotlight a few moments for you here. And there was nothing miserable about Friday night's game except for the outcome because it was an exciting back and forth affair throughout. Nine to seven in 10 innings, Cincinnati wins. But the Bulls rallied on several occasions. And again, to the Bearcats' credit, anytime the Bulls had an inning where they either took the lead or got back, Cincinnati would immediately, and not just flukily, they would immediately jump on the Bulls. Case and point, Drew Brutcher had a big hustle two-run double as part of a three-run bottom of the fourth, and the Bulls are ahead 3-1, to one, only to have Cincinnati hit three homers in the fifth inning, five spot, and the Bulls are in battle-back mode the rest of the way. Drew Brutcher would help get the battle going back for USF. Second baseman is shallow right. Third baseman is playing a normal short. It's 1-0 to Brutcher. He could lay down a bun and easily get to first base. Oh, instead he tags the ball deep to center field. This could be out of here. Take that. And the opposite way at that. Drew Brutcher has Hawker's number. And he's got all two hits for the Bulls tonight. A two-run bomb. Makes it 6-5. I mean, he just crushed that ball. Top of the seventh inning. Cole Harding homers, and I mean he crushed the ball deep to center. Bobby Bozer answers with a solo shot in the bottom of the seventh, and here we go to the bottom of the ninth. It sure looked like, again, this is to the point of, all oh, the Bulls were miserable to watch. 
Oh, no. This was, they were definitely going to win the first game. They got singles by Marcus Brodell, who slapped it to the left side of the infield, and then Bobby Bozer up the middle. Then a wild pitch puts runners on second and third. They intentionally walked Daniel Cantu, because I'm telling you, it was a one-run game, and Cantu was going to walk it off. So instead, they load the bases, and here's what happens. Come on, freshman. Here's the pitch. Curveball hits him! And the game is tied! Any which way! You could tell it was a great crowd. It was a lot of back and forth in the stands. It was a fantastic environment. It was bases loaded and one out, and here comes Drew Brutcher, who has had a fantastic night. And he strikes out. Fouls off a couple of fastballs after getting ahead 1-0. If he even hits a deep ground ball, he's going to get on base and the Bulls are going to win. And then Rafael Betancourt grands out. It was right there. And then, like I said, anytime the Bulls did something, Cincinnati would answer right back. A leadoff walk issued by Riley Skeen. And then a single runners on the corners. They steal second base. And even after a strikeout, Carrington Cross, who's been their hottest hitter, drawn in infield, whacks it up the middle. If it's first and third, it's a double play ball. Instead, it's a go-ahead hit and the Bulls lose the contest. Similar situation on Saturday. In this case, the Bulls again fall behind early but take the lead in the bottom of the third. It's so humid, the rain has stopped. Looks like it's about a couple hours away, so who knows? We may get this one in. This one may get out. Monke drills it deep to left field, and it's well out of here. Bounces across the road. Watch out, IPF. It's two to one. Hopewell was, uh, you know, feeling himself with those fastballs in the last inning when he was striking out Brutcher and Sankovic, but Monke said, feel this. He's not gotten a hit in his last three games, so looking to change that right here. And it's lined through the left side of the infield. One run will score. Bozer with a potential lead run. It's a decent throw. He's safe. Eric Snow comes through. And the Bulls are on top. And better yet, how I've been saying that Cincinnati had an answer for anything the Bulls did, not only was it a shutdown inning by Jack Siebert, it took less than two minutes. But the Bulls couldn't tack on. And then the moment from this game, top of the six, you knew Cincinnati after the Bulls blew a chance in the bottom of the fifth was probably going to score, and it did. But it should have stayed that way. A ground ball to third should have been an easy inning-ending play. 3-3 three to three going to the bottom of the six, and obviously it's anybody's ball game. Instead, the ball pulls the first baseman off the bag. Their best hitter, Ryan Nicholson, follows with a two-run triple. It's 6-3 to end the inning. Three more runs. It's 9-3. And yet the Bulls come back from down six to get it to two with two in the bottom of the ninth. And here comes Joaquin Monke in the form of the winning run after homering early. And he hits it well, but deep to right center, deepest part of the park. And the Bulls lose 11-9. Then Sunday, as I said, it was the carryover day. We could go back and forth, but the main point is the wind was howling out and the Bulls could only hit one home run and it wasn't from a lefty. It was snow to straightaway center. Kevin Erlinson was calling the action for us after that. Stanton Luthner, by the way, as I mentioned, he gets a start, has an RBI double, and scores on Bobby Bozer's double all after two outs in the fourth. It's 3-2 Bulls, but immediately, and I mean right away, Cincinnati jumps on Bulls starter Lawson Gailey to tie it up in the fifth. He gets chased and Nolan Hootie comes in. Gives up a sack fly. That's fine. It stays 4-3, to three, but... And this was the play in this game that just typified the weekend. First pitch is swung on, chopped right up the middle by Tommy O'Connor. Hoodie has it, throw to first. Betancourt dropped it. And it wasn't a good throw. It was a looping throw from Hoodie. 
And that just simply is not good enough. Well said. Nolan knows it too. And you don't need me to tell you, but of course, Cole Harding followed up with an RBI single. And even though it was just five to three, it was just one of those days in the sixth inning. We won't trouble you with the highlights, but a bunt, a batter, a pickoff where the first baseman is come in. So the pickoff, though, goes to nobody. And then a blast of a homer. 9-3 to three going to the bottom of the six, ten 10-4 the final. Now, Cincinnati had 17 hits Saturday, 15 more on Sunday. They did the job. The Bulls didn't. And they're now 17-28 and 28 on the season. We'll spell out the conference standings for you at the end of the hour with Around the American. And track and field was in two spots, the prestigious Penn Relays, where it was rainy, but the 4x200 women's team wins. Romaine Beckford wins another big battle for the high jump. And the full results from both Penn and UNF available at GoUSFBulls.com. We'll talk more about their standouts. I have a feeling that Mr. Beckford's going to get some conference recognition again in the middle of this week. But that'll wrap up Bulls Beat on a Monday. I'm Derek Sharp.